0: hey what's up guys we have chris washburn here he is a poker player and a dj and so chris can you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself
1: yeah well micah thanks for uh having me on here and hopefully we can help build up your show and uh, get more listeners and just continue to help have you produce some good content so yeah pleasure to be here um yeah like you said chris washburn i go by dj washburn it's more of my stage name performance name i live in central new york ithaca new york Finger Lakes area. If you're not familiar, it's uh, if you've seen the movie Road Trip, it's in there. Cornell University is in Ithaca. And uh, so grew up in upstate New York, Plattsburgh, New York, and then went to college here in Ithaca back in 2004. Uh, pretty much after college, I've stayed since had a little stint out in Vegas, which you mentioned me being a poker uh, into poker and DJing. Uh, yeah, so I'm not a professional poker player, but I would definitely be a professional DJ. That's what I do full time. I DJ as well as run my entertainment DJ company. That's a uh, small multi-op, which just means we have multiple DJs on staff. We do a lot of events all over central New York, sometimes the, over the country, depending on the, the clients and whatnot. But uh, you know, we do a lot of weddings, corporate events, school dances, bars, clubs, stuff, uh, all that kind of th- type of thing. But the way poker comes into that is... I well being 36 now, and it's the year 2022, which means I was born in 1986. Means that during the Chris Moneymaker poker boom era of 2002 to 2004ish range, uh, I was in high school, and I think many people my age uh, experienced that, saw that, and if you don't, if you're not familiar with the Chris Moneymaker poker boom if you don't know poker that was when 2003 when espn gave a lot of focus and attention on the world series of poker chris moneymaker it was an accountant just a rec player won it and then it just blew up in popularity next thing you know everyone was playing poker no limit texas holdem was the thing to do the casino started spreading more games online poker was legal everywhere at the time so there was this huge poker boom that's how myself my friends and i we got into it because we had just we were teenagers uh just turning 18 able to go to our local casino so we were familiar with playing blackjack table games all that good stuff and then of course poker uh most of my friend myself most of my friend groups we were all athletes competitiveness uh liked the the hype excitement the thrill so like gambling poker all that stuff it 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 checks all those boxes so we got into that so ever since then so for the good past uh for the past two decades i've uh been into poker Poker player, a uh, big hobby, and it's continued throughout my college, throughout my other careers and professions. Uh, so that's that's where I stand now. And I think the reason that I'm here talking with you all is because Micah saw me playing at Hustler Casino Live, which is uh, the world's best poker live stream TV show that started just over a year ago. It happens at the Hustler Casino in L.A., so over the past, uh, since January, so the past 10 months, I've been playing out there regularly, flying from New York out to LA to play. And that's how Micah saw me. And uh, I guess he enjoyed what he saw. So that's why we're here today. So that's that's me in in a nutshell right there.
0: Yeah, sounds good. And have you been on Live with the Bike too, or is it mainly just Hustler's Casino?
1: Yeah, good Live. question. Um, I've only played, I have, not, I have not played at Live with the Bike. I've played at Hustler's Casino Live. And uh, I played one time at Texas Car House in Austin before Hustler. So uh, but mostly I've been pretty loyal to Hustler. I just really enjoy that. I enjoy the crew, the people there. They've been great to me. So I believe in just being being loyal to them as well. And I just enjoy it. the atmosphere. Uh, like I said, the Ryan Feldman, Nick Vertucci, the rest of the staff productions, the ones that don't steal that is uh, they are. They've been fantastic to me. So, yeah, I've always gone back there. I just uh, enjoy that. Appreciate it, comfort. Um, so yeah, that's where I've been.
0: Yeah. And how did you, how did you end up on that one? Like, did you,
1: did you uh, know Ryan
0: Feldman or something or?
1: Sure. Good question. And no, I didn't know any of those people other than just watching them at live at the bike, like probably you and a lot of these listeners have over the past few years, um, back in last January, last December, 2001. Yeah. End of the year i just reached out to i saw that they were started the streaming thing i knew that uh, texas was was doing uh streams as well i just reached out to them dm them on social media i think instagram and said uh hey here's my my resume of who i am i'm coming out to the area i'm a dj blah 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 action player you know would you have me on and luckily both uh Said okay, sure. We'll give you a shot and uh, put you on. And that first week, I flew out to Texas, played in Austin, then flew out to LA, played at Hustler. And uh, I think after that, I just I left a good impression with them. And fortunately, they allowed me to come back. And then a few sessions after that, then they kind of just gave me an open invitation. Said, hey, we we love what you do. You're a great personality, good action. Uh, boom. So now I think I've done over over a dozen streams. I would say in the last ten months and uh yeah it just feels like it feels like it's stuck second home so yeah that's how, how how i got in yeah and it
0: seems like you're a very you know nice guy like from what i've seen of you on there fun friendly you know um good you know good person to be at the table with and just to, just a to like a note we're we're only going to have 40 minutes i think to record on zooms i don't have like the paid thing but uh sure. if you want we can go do another one after that but um yeah so yeah you mainly just play like the uh the, is it 5-5-100 five, five, game, right? Is that like the regular game you play?
1: Sure, I've played. So I've played, well, now I've, after playing that big uh, Phil Ivey, Guerra, Eric Person, Andy Stacks game a couple weeks ago, that's the biggest one I've played by far. That was uh, one of their big special offs. Um but mostly, though, I when I go, because I DJ on the weekends and my weekends are pretty much packed year round, I usually go out there from Sunday to like Wednesday or Thursday, which means I play Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday or a combination of those. Uh, halfway through their streams, they started the Max Payne Monday, which I really enjoy, which is it's always on Mondays. It's a uh, it's a 10 20 40 10 20 40. No limit, 10k max buy-in. So it's the only show they have that's that's capped. You can't uh, buy in for any an amount. Um, I enjoyed that one a lot because it's a lot different atmosphere. It's fun. It's slow rolling is encouraged. The do seven game is mandatory. There's extra straddles. Needling was encouraged. So it's instead of just being a poker game, it's more like a reality TV show. That's what they bill it and advertise it as. So i like that personally because it allows the personalities and it's not about necessarily the poker play there it's more about the personalities and the fun people getting to needle each other do things that you wouldn't see at a normal poker game playing poker so i enjoy that atmosphere of it and it's a little bit uh, lower stakes so you can can be a little bit more splashy and if you watch me play that you know my vpips usually over 50 percent, slow rolling uh playing silly hands stuff that is very not gto and definitely minus EV. but it's fun it's good TV, it's good entertainment. So I like playing that game a lot. Uh, just the atmosphere because to me, poker, I don't play poker to make money. I don't go to casinos or tables and put my sunglasses on and hoodie on and, and don't say a word and just uh, you know try to play perfect to win mine. No, that's not fun for me at all. Uh, it's social. I like talking with people. Um, and what you said that I seem like a nice, genuine person. Yeah, what you see on TV is is who I am for real. And that's the same. If you, you talk to people that I play with here in local casinos around New York. Like that's who I was before the cameras were even rolling. So social atmosphere is important to me. Uh back to your question about the other games. So yeah, then I've also played on uh the anti game which is what you just talked about, the the 500 game which really plays more like a 50 100 game because if you straddle it goes to 200. Uh opening raises are standard 300 400 range. So it's it's pretty much like a like a $100 big blind game. So there's that one and then uh Wednesdays is uh, usually 2550 25-50 or 2550 100. Um, all these also the big blinds have an Annie. So if it's 2550, it's also a $50 Annie big blind. So, you know, they play a little bit bigger. Most of them are straddling and uh, a lot of action. So yeah, those are the, and those are all on cap. So those are the games I've played. And then of course, that big Ivy game that was, uh, a hundred K minimum buy-in and it, they brought in, you know, Phil Ivy, Andy Garrett, uh, Eric person, uh, Ruske. So that one was pretty big. I was certainly taking a shot in that one. I was severely short stacked. I bought it for the table minimum, which was a hundred hundred grand, and uh, they all came in with way more. There was like two point five million on the table or something. Uh, I took a shot, and it it didn't it didn't work out so well, but. I lost money wise, but I feel like I won overall with the experience. So, and that was, that was the night before the infamous big cheating hand with Robbie and Garrett, the Jack four off, which if you know anything about poker, then you've heard of this huge investigation right now it's October 16th, which is, we're just a few weeks out. And it's still, of course, investigation ongoing. It's the big been the biggest buzz in the poker world on Twitter and social media and just uh, in the community. So uh, depending on when you, you the listeners are listening to this there may or may not have been some conclusion or uh some facts that came out but yeah so i know uh yeah i think i w- answered more than what you asked in the question but yeah that's uh yeah that's the games i played there
0: yeah so we might as well i kind of want to focus on those two things i guess um well first of all what are your thoughts on the whole um robbie garrett uh incident and then also since you played there a lot i think you Know a lot of the people. Um, How do you think they're handling it? And what do you have? Have you ever met the guy who supposedly, st- or not supposedly, he did steal the eighteen thousand dollars or whatever? What I mean, that, yeah, 15, that, that just added a whole other yeah like, layer to that story, man. And it's like my my Twitter feed right now is just nothing but just poker, poker, poker. It's just going crazy, nonstop, right? Yeah, yep. And now Garrett was just in like the LA Times or whatever with an article, right? So it's getting. It's almost like hitting like mainstream. It seems like you know what I mean.
1: Oh, it, oh, it definitely is. Yeah. yeah, there's people outside of poker that are covering it now. Uh, yeah. News outlets all over the country, um, and it, it's it's yeah, it's nuts. It's crazy. Like you said, Twitter feeds blowing up like nuts, uh, like crazy. My thoughts on it is that I'm a firm believer in not coming to conclusions without hard evidence or supporting. When I look, when I think about that, and everything I know about poker and all the. It does seem very fishy, the whole situation. And I feel like there's two, although a lot of the evidence is circumstantial, there's so much of it that makes it very tough to believe that everything is just a coincidence and just happened. Uh, The hand, obviously, is one of the most controversial fishy things. that just doesn't make sense. Robbie is hurt. She just doesn't seem like a very smart person. So her stories, her words, her ability to tell a story, if she was cheating, which then if you're cheating, you have to be able to fabricate a story to make it believable. Right. Is I mean, I think she's failed on that many, uh, many times. I feel like there's there's something fishy going on there, but I will not say definitive. Oh, she was definitely cheating unless a confession came out or there was hard evidence that proved that they were definitely cheating. You know, I've gone over the different options. If they were cheating, how would it be done? What's the realistic uh, possibility of that? So, uh, so, yeah, it just feels like that there's something there, but I think we still just need to see this and see what the investigation uh, says, and there's a good chance, and I think Nick Vertucci even said this himself, that after all is said and done, it's going to be very tough to prove it one way or the other definitively. It's probably gonna be somewhere in between where it's going to be like, well, here are the facts, here are the findings, come up with your own conclusion. So there might not be closure on this ever. So we will see. Pa- second part of that question, Brian, Brian S, Brian sags the ball. I, I forgot. I don't even know how to say his last name, but the, the, the staff employee who got caught cheating the sorry, sorry, got caught stealing the $15,000 of three, $5,000 chips off. I did know him. Yeah. Um, I had many interactions with him, both in person and on social media, as I did with many of, well, pretty much all of the Hustler Casino family, all the the back end people, the video production, the technical director. Yeah, I just got very friendly with them. And, um, in terms of Brian, yeah, we I, I never really, I like, I never went out to dinner with him or had drinks, but we when I'd get there and before the the streams would start, yeah, he would assist with uh. Um, the microphones and different production aspects. And, you know, sometimes on social media, when I'd post things, I would tag all their crew and he would message me, comment on some of my stuff. So nothing super in depth, but it was always positive interactions. It was always great. Uh, yeah, we never really got into anything more than that, but, uh, that's, that's, that's my extent of relationship with Brian and what I knew about him. And so then when I found out that he was stealing chips, um, stealing money, doesn't surprise me. I didn't think he's someone that would do that. I'm, I'm just like, oh, okay. I, I'm sure a lot of people would do that. And I didn't know anything about his backstory or history about kids or financial problems or troubles with the law or motives that would want someone to cheat. But I do know that in casinos, in the poker world, and just life in general, people, when it comes to money, regardless of what they are facing, money is, is a very big dr- uh, motive for people to do shady shit and do things that uh, would be breaking the law, would go against morals and integrity. And yeah, so I'm sure people steal all the time. And, and I would not be surprised if it comes out that this Brian kid, uh, guy, I should say guy, well, I guess he's kind of a kid, he's younger than me, uh, that if he was doing it more, uh, stealing more, because I mean, typically people that do this, when they get caught doing a crime, it's, it's, it's usually not their first time with something like this. Uh, so, and I just think overall, For him to steal fifteen thousand, which is a lot, on one of the most popular, biggest viewed streams, even though it happened right when the cameras went off, there's just so much focus and attention on that, especially after the controversy with the hand, that it just doesn't seem like that was a a first time. Oh, let me just grab these chocolate chips. It's probably something where you start, you you grab a hundred dollar chip here or there, and then it's it's I'll grab two hundred dollar chips, and then I'll grab a thousand dollar chip. Right? I'm not saying that's what he did, or no one's ever told me that. I was just thinking in my mind of like. The progression of what criminals usually do and people that steal and so yeah that's that's my thought there and i don't know i'm not gonna say that he and Rod, he was involved at all with this cheating it could be a big coincidence that it, this all just happened at the same time but uh, again we'll see what the investigation says and it, it just seems fishy that so many of these things are coming together then you have the bean stuff the nick airball stuff and it's a lot, and I I just hope we get some conclusive evidence here sometime soon. So yeah,
0: yeah. I don't know much about the you said the bean stuff or the Nick Airball stuff. I don't know too much about that.
1: I heard about the um,
0: DGAF stuff. Yeah, a little bit about that. But what's going on with the Nick Airball and the what would you say bean?
1: beans the the player beans and same with dg dgaf yeah uh so they all got brought into it um a few days after it happened when garrett posted the the thing on two plus two which i'm sure you read right with all i didn't read
0: the whole thing just because it it was long right it was long skimmed it yeah
1: yeah yeah he talked about robbie talked about that but in it he mentions beans which is the player that I played with on Max Payne Monday a couple days before the cheating thing happened. And Beans was a, has been a regular the last few months on Max Payne Monday and playing a lot of Hustler, a fan favorite because he was high action. Uh, he, he comes from Vegas. Um, but I didn't, I, I didn't know him until that week when I played with him finally for the first time. Uh, his connection to everything was he's the one that brought Robbie and the RIP Jacob Rip onto the show a few weeks before. I guess the story is he met them in... At the bike or another casino or something and said, oh, hey, you'd be great. Let me see if I can get you on. I'll introduce you to Ryan Feldman and you'd be great for the, the stream. So he got on. But then there were some things like the night I played with beans on the Max Payne Monday, a few days before the the Jack Forehand. He got a $20,000 in chips from Robbie um, beforehand. And then at the time of this investigation, he said how he hadn't paid it back yet. So people were just tying these connections like, all right, there's cheating allegations. This guy brings these people on. Uh, he's he he's getting money from them, and then people start digging on his history, and he's got I guess he's got a, a past history with the law and different um, possible scamming schemes, things like that. So again, uh, my interaction with Beans was he was he was fun. We were we played together it was fine. I don't know anything about the rest of this stuff or his history, and with that, so uh, I know he's been very vocal uh, the last couple of weeks of going on Joey Ingram's podcast slot, uh, making statements, commenting on Twitter about defending himself and the truth. So again, here there, uh Nick Airball, who is actually someone that I really like. He's a he's a hustler Ray. Right? He plays on the show a lot. Um he got implicated apparently because the day, the night before the cheating hand, he went out to dinner with Robbie and Rip who he had just met uh and they spent like 7 or 8 hours at a bar just shooting the shit and rips like yeah I'll get you uh UFC t- or boxing t- tickets or UFC whatever it was to go watch Jake Paul or somebody else and so like they just had this instant friendship they connected like a lot of poker players do I think when they just are there and they talk to other poker players whatever and yeah. then the the day of he gave he gave a low 175,000 in chips at Hustler Chips to Rip to help play and this is all documented these are facts and uh and then he got paid back after the show, but then the whole thing of like, all right, well, who who's this Nick? What's he doing here? These people he just met, spending all this time giving a very, very large sum of chips to oh, yeah, just uh, you can go play the it back. So um I, I believe Nick is 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 innocent here. He had a he, he did a great job of uh explaining everything, and uh, I think he was just being a little too um generous, but again, it's just the implications of well, why is this person in this situation in the first half and then DGAF um, Billy's his name. Some of that I very respect. I respect very much. And I like a lot. I've played with him a ton. Now on stream, he, he, he plays every max pain Monday. He's got that podcast called sessions, which is one of the most genuine raw poker podcasts. And it, it, it is about poker, but it's a lot about his life. I don't know if you, any listeners ever listened to that, but it's called sessions. It's great. So I've been following him and getting into his life for a number of, of months before all of this. I uh, love the guy and I love playing with him and battling like he, yeah, it, uh, it it's great on the max play Monday. Cause we can heckle each other, go after go after each other. And it, it, it's, it's, it, it's enjoyable. And it's fun. Uh, but he got, then people started and this witch hunt of, uh, accusing him of cheating now. Cause he sits in the same seat every Monday that Robbie sat in. And, uh, it was just a lot, a lot of bogus stretch stuff that people were just trying to find and make these conclusions. Uh, So I think he did a good job of clearing his name. I don't think he was cheating at all. Uh, If you listen to one of his recent podcast sessions, he actually did a two-parter where he explains everything, answers all the questions. And I I feel like it's been dropped there. No one else is really coming after him uh, as far as I know for now. So uh, hopefully he can, uh, you know, I think it's just unfortunate because a lot of these people involved, whether they are guilty or not guilty. um, So many people have been just attacking their, their images, their names, their characters and when people share just untrue facts or stuff that's not checked or things that are just so circumstantial speculation that they retweet and then people are like, "Oh, that's got to be true, right?" I don't know if you feel the same way, Micah, but with this investigation, it <laughs> seeing all the the craze about it, it fell a lot. It felt like a lot like the uh, the presidential election. And I hate getting into politics. I'm not a fan of that, but the comparison is very true. There was people that were so much on both sides and sharing so much untrue stuff or things that were not really (laughs) very biased, but not true facts and that painted a different picture on on both sides. Right. And that's what kind of what I felt like with this. There was just a lot of stuff. And unfortunately, what that meant was that people innocent people or people that were getting unfairly accused of things and just, uh, you know, kind of a, a shitty situation for them. So yeah, that's my, my rundown on that.
0: Yeah. The way that I look at it is kind of like what you said in the beginning was like, you know, you're innocent till proven guilty. And I felt like it was like an immediate kind of attack on Robbie from a lot of people, even like high name pros, like Tom Dwan is like, for some reason, like posting a ton and other people like him. And it's like, she's hasn't been proven guilty for all we know. She's just some fish with a lot of money who just didn't know what she was doing. You know what I mean? And that's kind of like, I, I personally think that she is innocent. And I also think that it looks if she's is innocent, It's going to look really bad in a lot of people who are saying that she's cheating when it's like a what second or third time on there. It just, in my opinion, it's just going to look bad. And then also, with like, I under kind of, I think there's a good aspect to Doug Polk and Matt uh, Berkey and those types of people like going on and talking about it a lot. And even Ingram, one thing with Ingram is I think he's extremely unbiased. Which is good, but like with Berkey recently saying they should shut it down, I think that's that's out of his lane, in my opinion. Like if people know what's going on, and if they're willing to go play on there, I don't know if you're going to be playing on there anytime soon, or if even if you have after the incident. But like if people are willing to go play on there with what's happened, and they're obviously even more, they're checking up on things even more now. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. That should just be people's choice. I don't think Berkey has the right to say or anybody that they should shut it down. In my opinion, I think they're going a little too hard on that. But yeah, yeah
1: I, I, yeah, I agree with you there. And I, I'm being a mm. poker fan. Uh, I do respect and enjoy a lot of the insights with Berkey, with Doug Polk, with Joy Ingram. I know they put a lot of time and effort into it, and I think they're all like good personalities. They're entertaining. They help deliver and get to the bottom of things. Bring people on. Get raw, honest things. And, and for, I get, I would agree for the most part they're all pretty non biased. And um, I I think with with yeah I don't with, think
0: with, Polk is that unbiased. I think he has some sort of um, you know. Thing. he wants his i i don't know i think he wants to get clicks in a lot of situations but sure yeah. berkey so for gonna, the most part is yeah anyway. yeah i was, I was gonna yeah. say
1: for, yeah for, for this one correct i i do agree yeah. they all have some uh i think getting into yes they all have their own motives behind like berkey he's he's uh alive he's on the live at the bike uh opening montage right he, i think he's got some connections there so when he i know that he's got a history before of kind of some people would say that he's talking down a hustler. or He speaks to, like, you know, you know trying to, to bring it down. Maybe it's because he's got a better tie with bike with the bike. I know he does play at a hustler, too, and he said he wants to go back. Um Doug Polk, certainly that he owns the lodge, which is a, a competitor for the hustler. But I feel like this investigation, the stuff he's done has been pretty good with that because overall here if there's issues with streaming and safety and cheating, then it affects the whole community, right? So all the streams are definitely someone they had to come together and, and figure this out. Uh, and then, yeah, of course, Jory Ingram. Yeah, I do agree that they are in it also for the clicks, for the follows, for the views. So certainly there's, there's a lot of clickbait stuff. Um, so yeah, that's that's how, how that goes. Uh, I had not played there since, The incident, but I'm going back in two weeks, so I'll be back Halloween night. I'm actually co commentating Halloween night on Max Faye Monday and then playing the next day, the Tuesday. So I got a couple days out uh, to get out there, and then uh, my wedding season here, which is the busiest time for me DJing wise, ends uh, at the the end of this month in November. uh, I'll be going out to Vegas a couple times for DJ conferences, so I've got a lot of travel going on in November um for for conferences and whatnot but hopefully in the the winter months early spring i'll have more opportunities to go back to la more play more poker before my wedding season then um ramps up again so yeah
0: okay cool and then in terms of the actual playing what are some of you you said you played with phil ivy and garrett and andy which is you know those are all three huge names and legends great great players in the game um yeah i guess just speaking on that game how was it playing with with legends like that you kind of went over a little bit and so did you you bought it for a hundred thousand which is a lot
1: and then you lost and that was it or is that yeah yeah so yeah going to that game so the way that came about was the week before so this was the game was on uh september 28th yeah um that wednesday so a few weeks before, as I always do, when I plan on making my trips to L.A., I talked to Ryan Feldman, one of the owners, and he's the one that puts all the lineups together. I said, hey, I'm coming back uh, this week. I'd like to play Monday, Wednesday, et cetera. So that's what I had and I set up already for weeks. And then the week before I was supposed to go, I saw him posted, oh, breaking news. Phil Ivy's coming back into town next Wednesday and Thursday for these super high stake games. And that Wednesday was the day I was supposed to play. So then I mess- excuse me, messaged him and said, hey, What's going on here? Can I get a seat possibly? I mean, I was originally scheduled to play like the 2550 game where you know, I'd buy in for like uh, you know, 20, 30 grand, something in that range. So obviously, playing here was going to be a bigger shot. I'd never played a, a game that high before. So, uh, a few days, he's like, "Hey, let me let me see. I'll get back to you because I know they were trying to put together a really strong lineup with a lot of uh big names and in terms of the poker world streaming. You know, I'm I'm pretty low on the totem pole compared to some of the people that they were going to be bringing in. So I had to kind of just wait and see. Fortunately enough, uh, they let me in. So I played. Um, yeah, it was 100k minimum buy-in." Uh, that's what I, I took a shot. I was going with, I had no extra rebuys. I sold some of my action. I still have the majority of myself, but I did sell a little bit just to, uh, to limit the risk. And of course, um, so we went in there. I knew that I was going to be short stack and that I would have to hopefully get a good run of cards. But I mean, anyone's play poker, you've seen it before you've seen that, that idiot that's never played before at the one, two game, run it up to 2000 and be like, what the hell is happening here? And right. So it can happen. And you know, even with that, I'm not a poker pro. I feel like my knowledge and skills of the game are still pretty decent, uh, enough to certainly hold my own. I think the biggest thing was just the, the 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 money aspect of it, because they all bought like Eric Person half a million, Garrett half a million at least. I think he had like 800 added on pretty quickly. Andy 300, 400, something like that. Phil Ivy 300k, whatever. There was there was a lot on there, so I was certainly the the David in the Goliath, um, and then. Yeah, early on, I knew that I was gonna have to play tight, and I've never bought into a poker game before where I was the shortest stack. Because typically, if I'm playing one, three, two, five, five, ten, these other games, is that I'm like the Eric person or the the Garrett that's gonna try to be bullying people around and using the that to my advantage and leverage. Which, uh, so it was definitely an adjustment for me to be on the other side of it, and that's something I hadn't really practiced much at all, if ever. Uh, so got in there. Didn't really get too many cards. Made a couple decent plays. I felt like things were going well. Tried to pull off a um a pretty big bluff in a spot that I just thought would work almost every time in this guy. Uh, so I didn't even really have any big hands with any of the, the big studs of the game. It was more I had a, my biggest hands with Dustin. The his name uh, he's like a business investor dude on Instagram. Dustin the closer. I think is his. I never played with him before. He must be rich. Uh, so biggest hand I had with him was a hundred thirty-seven thousand dollars pot where I, I bluffed. I had queen eight of diamonds. Um, I see the time is, here, Mike. I see the time is is stopping. You want to do that? I'll let my dogs in real quick and then we can restart the the recording. Oh, I can't hear you.
0: Oh, sorry. If um, it was on you.
1: Can yeah. you hear me now? I
0: can. Okay. So if you want, we can just wrap. Or do you just want to? Okay, we can just end it here. That's fine. We'll restart. So if you guys want, just come uh, listen to the next episode. We're just going to restart it, or I'm just going to like stitch, this, stitch them two together.
1: Yeah, I was going to say that'd be easiest. Yep. All right, sounds good. I'll um, Give me 15 seconds to let my dogs in,
0: and then I'll just resend the link. Yep. Okay. Okay, hey guys, we're back with Chris Washburn. Uh, he's going to go over that hand, he, that big hand he had in. At the HCL, um with Phil Ivy and Gary Adelstein
1: Yeah, unfortunately, uh, our Zoom it cut off at 40 minutes of the recording. So hopefully, <laughs> if you like this podcast, you subscribe, get more followers, listeners. That way, Micah can get enough money to upgrade to the better Zoom where it doesn't <laughs> cut off the audio recording. Correct. Uh, anyhow, so where we're new to we're... Zoom, so <laughs> that's all right. You'll look back years from now and be when you're a millionaire from your podcasting and uh, be like, oh, I remember that. Exactly. Anyhow. We've got the second part here. Uh, I was in the middle of talking about the experience of playing in that big game. And I talked about how I was short stack and needing to to get away or needing to get some luck. So the biggest hand I played, I was right around even uh, most of the time for the first couple hours. I would say, yeah, uh, you know, plus or minus uh, 10, 20 K. which I guess is a lot. But in terms of that, I mean, that's only 10, 20 percent fluctuation of your buying. So in that term, no. was up slightly a couple thousand got to the hand where I was on the button with queen eight of diamonds and it folded to me and any other poker game I've ever played and if I it's folded to me on the button with queen eight of diamonds I mean I think that's a, a pretty standard raise I know I play pretty aggressive I'm raising that for sure um so I, I raise and at this point though it's a it's a four blind game as in it's there's a small blind big blind straddle and double straddle so it's a 100 200 400 800 is what we're playing right now and the the big blind of 200 also has a 200 dollar ante. So you do that math, 1200 plus 400 1600. There's 1700 dead money in the pot right there. Uh but looking back on it, the, the four blind game it does make a difference on your opening ranges cuz now instead of just opening up on the button kind of light, I mean queen 8 of diamonds suited not a premium hand it's not a great hand it's but it's it's not like you're not going to fold that usually on a two blind game where you just have to get through the small blind big blind but with four people and a lineup that good with phil Ives in the blind and uh i don't think garrett was in but yeah anyhow good players right there's a lot of the people when i did analysis afterwards like oh you they maybe that's considering a fold given that i was short stack given that I, i had to pick my spots there anyhow the way the hand plays out i open up this Time the standard opening, I believe, was 2400. So I made like 2200, 20, 23, 24, 25 in that range. Open up on the button. One person calls, and then Dustin, the guy I think he is in the third straddle, third, he's in the, the double or the, the first straddle. Um, I apologize for not knowing these details. I hate when people do hand histories and they can't do that, and I'm doing that right now. Uh, he he three bets, but it's a, it's a small three bet, it's only to like 6,500 um so it's like it's only one and a half x more i'm on the button like i just feel like it's too like i have to almost call there anything because if i fold that then it's they already knew i was short stack taking a shot if i do that then i think they're just going to come at me every time like earlier in the hand earlier in the game eric person just bullied me out of a big pot where he just kind of put me in a spot where i had to commit everything and all i had was (laughs) ace queen offsuit uh, with the queen of diamonds i3 bet him pre-flop and there was two callers and it came all diamonds like uh all diamonds but no fa- like 10 high diamonds or something and he checked and i bet and he like check raised and it was like either i'm committing my whole stack or i'm folding. i ended up folding and he showed like jack four off not nothing so he already knew that you know i was gonna be I was I was playing a little fearful than I normally would. So he ended up showing the, when the,
0: the cheating hand, the Jack Four off cheating hand.
1: No, I'm just kidding. He, oh He's yeah, that's that's ironic. Yes, Yeah. Or he similar. Did. To he it. did. He had yeah. the Jack Four. Because it was either Jack yeah, he, Four he, or he, Jack he, Three. Yeah, he yeah. might have had. Yeah, yeah. Now he showed me he might have had Jack Four suited, but the cheating hand was definitely Jack Four off. Uh, so in this hand, when I raise, and it's such a small I mean, anti position, I'm on the button. I, how much did you have yeah. at the beginning of the hand? effective stack was just over 100k. It might have been like 110, okay, okay. 105, 108. It was in that range. Yeah. It was pretty close. You have effective stack and then Dustin had 2 or 300,000 if not more. He was he was up a little bit. Uh so so then so that was part of my decision making was this queen 8. By the way, you can watch this hand. I posted it, the clip of it on my YouTube channel, my poker YouTube channel. It's just DJ Washburn Poker, all three words. DJ Washburn Poker, and I put this clip on cuz it's the biggest pot I've ever played. So, I make the call and uh i think jr folds he was in the small blind and it goes heads up so the flop is i flopped two dimes and it's my god this is bad i gotta i gotta look up because (laughs) it's been a few weeks since i've talked about it so i want to make sure that i feel like such a noob here not being able to explain it a little bit better so the flop is okay great uh he ends up having ace he is ace king off here ace king off uh, flop is three six seven with two diamonds, three six a diamond seven. I have queen eight of diamonds. So flop the uh flop the flush draw. He continuing bets for five thousand. Um, I feel like that that board favors my range more than his. Um, the way he was playing, like it's it ha- I was like hundred percent. It was overcards. The small three bet, I felt like it was more likely ace king. Uh, than a big pair because I feel like he'd want to protect a little bit more because he priced in every hand by only like 1.5x uh, raising it. So um, I make the call here on the flop, 5k. Turn is the uh, five of hearts. So now it's a four liner to a straight, four makes a straight. It's three, five, six, seven. Well, three, six, seven, five. So now I'm open ended with the flush draw still. He checks to me again because this is favoring my range much more than his. And I make it 15k into a pot of I think it was like 22 or 23 at the time so uh two-thirds over two-thirds pot size bet or over two-thirds of the pot bet um and he's got ace king here and off no draw and someone would call it a hero call he ends up calling the turn right and I'm like okay well I'm pr- gonna have to barrel this river I think because I just felt like he it was capped at a one pair hand he had high cards uh may, you know makes sense if you had aces kings queens that's probably the line you would take you would check that turn just call uh, river is a black ace. So I, I blank all of the flush draws, straight draws, ace hits him. But at this point, there's no way I think he has an ace because I'm like, okay, he's not going to call the turn with an ace king, ace queen. It just, I don't think so. So I'm, I'm thinking like the ace is probably a good card unless he had pocket aces and he just sat. I'm like, all right, well, that's a very small chance of him having that with the ace coming on the river. So I feel like kings, queens, jacks, uh we'd be more likely so i'm like okay i think that's a good card for me plus i'm repping eight nine eight nine suited a four i could have four five all those mill cards that play that board pretty well are in my range more than his excuse me so he checks to me on the river i bet 40k uh 40k into a pot of like uh 52 or something so again size up pretty decent and uh, he Thinks about it, uses one of his time chips, a minute extension and ends up calling with his ace and obviously it's good. I've queen high nothing and I say you're good muck. Um, so, yeah, that was $137,000 pop. Not how I thought it was going to go. I honestly thought I was going to win it because it just made sense of. But then again, who he he, he made the right call on the turn. He calls a pretty big bet with ace king, ace high and then gets a really favorable river. Like if that, he hasn't hit an ace, I'm probably winning that hand. Um. And after, uh, you know, I'm, I'm always into feedback and uh, constructive criticism because there's so many people that are way better at poker than me that I'm friends with that I always do run over hand histories and whatnot. Because when it comes to like a lot of the technical, the GTO stuff is that I don't study poker like that. I know I know a little bit. I, I, I stay in, but I'm more of a social type of player and you know I'm not here in the lab. I don't have all the charts memorized. So. I, there's a lot of friends I do that that do know that stuff. The more the GTO technical stuff, so I sent that hand to them, and they all liked the line. You know, some people said maybe bet a little less on the turn, bet more on the river. But overall, uh, I think the biggest, probably on the hand, what I could have done differently, or the biggest area where they said, "Hey, this might have helped you," was just folding preflop because of what I talked about a second ago about the four blinds having to get through all those players. It's a different dynamic. It it's doubled. And with all the money in the pot, even more incentive for people to play at me. And knowing that I was playing scared and short, that I should not be putting myself with a marginal hand in a position, um, unlike your typical casino game where there's two blinds and you're on the button, right? So it's a little different there. Uh, so I think that was it. But they said, if I'm going to choose to play the hand like that, once I'm three bet pre flop, it's such a small amount, I almost have to call. And then they like the line on the flop, the turn, the river, but just, uh, you know, he got a good card and he made a good read. So that was that hand. So, yeah. Any questions, thoughts about that one? Again, you can watch that on my YouTube channel, DJ Washburn Poker. It's a clip on there.
0: Yeah, I definitely um, want to watch it. And I'm definitely no expert. I mean, to me, it sounds like you played it fine. I think that once, just the way that I play, obviously it would be different with 100,000 in front of me. But like just the way yeah. that I play, as soon as I seen, if I was playing like 1-2, no limit or whatever at the casino, as soon as I saw the flop with the two diamonds, I probably would have. Just been like, yeah, I'm going with it. You know what I mean? Or maybe just like bomb the flop yeah. or something. But obviously, like you said, I don't even think that's the correct way to play. I think he played it fine, and I'm pretty sure that Queen Eight Diamonds on the button is probably a GTO raise. You know what I mean? Like if everyone folds to you, so it is yeah, against
1: two against two blinds, uh, yeah. In a nine-handed game, say so. There's two blinds and the mid- nine-handed game. Six people fold. There's three people left in the hand. Hundred percent. In this structure, though, there was only eight handed, Uh, three people fold, and then there's still four blinds, so less than half. So you're still trying to get through more than half the table versus trying to get through two people compared to nine. Right. So thinking again, then again, I've never really played a four blind structure game like that. So that's something that I didn't think about till after when I was talking to some of my smart poker friends where they're like, oh, in these situations, I think the charts, the opening ranges are a little different. Given my situation, if I was sitting there with 500 K with, you know, multiple bullets to fire, then yes, certainly, because I can play with the, I can do that a little bit more But my situation. So, yeah, uh, but yeah, but I was definitely on the mindset of like, oh, yeah, I'm going to play this just like I would at my regular 510 game here at the casino. Right. So, yeah.
0: yeah, it's such a complicated game because things change just all the time and like stuff where I'm like, oh, I would normally do this. Or that takes like something small changes up in the hand and it's just crazy it's, right yeah i mean it's especially a, it's a live game.
1: Yeah, yeah especially live especially when you're playing at stakes you're not used to playing at playing with some of the best in the world and then throw the cameras on there with a record amount of viewers camera so one thing i've learned with playing on poker or playing on stream is that the cameras definitely change a lot of the action and the way people think um i like the cameras because i just like the excitement the acceleration i de- when i'm on these shows i definitely want to put on a show so i play more hands i do some more goofy things that i wouldn't do if i was just strictly trying to win um but yeah definitely people play different they don't want to be embarrassed they don't want to be bluffed so they will call lighter and i've learned that they will do things where uh it just protects them because they know that every action they do is under a microscope and it can be seen so as you know and any poker players know Egos are very, very huge in the poker industry and a lot of them out there, and so that does play a role uh, and something to think about if you ever play on stream of not only how you should respond respond and act, but also how your opponents uh, what they are doing, because of a lot of those factors and a lot of these streams I played on, we will play afterwards when those cameras go off and actually my win rate after the stream is better than it is on the stream. Uh, like if you looked up, I think there's some websites where you can go look up like what my results are. And before this one, I was around like a break even, But obviously with the losing the 100K, not playing games like that, that now I'm a losing player on that on Hustler. But before that, I was like a break even or open up a little bit, but I keep all my personal stats tracked. So I was certainly up up more than that. And a lot of it was because of the off stream stuff because people play, start playing differently there. Um Whether it's they're stuck and then they, when they're stuck and the cameras go off, they're not, they're into gambling more because they want it to get unstuck and they're not, they don't have to worry about being embarrassed, like doing something silly on camera. So then it just gets a little bit more juicier, spicier, uh, people changed. Uh, so yeah, it's just different, a different vibe and it, it can change real quick like that when the cameras go off. So yeah, it's just something to think about.
0: Yeah. In terms of money, um, making money, like, are you, are you an overall winning player? Like, is that part of your, uh, Income, I guess, would be poker or you said sure. it's mainly the DJ, but
1: um. yeah, good, good question. Yeah, for me, poker has still been uh, it currently is a hobby. And yes, I am a winning player. I tracked all my stats throughout the last few years. So I can tell you, like, what my win rate is at a one two game, what my win rate is at two five games, stream games, etc. So, yes, I've been fortunate enough to be a winning player, Uh even though I, well, so I actually I kind of was a poker pro for a small amount of time. That was after college. I graduated in 2008 and I moved out to Vegas for a summer with a few friends uh, and just just played poker and did that, grinded it out. Had no big life-changing scores. I mean, made enough to live, ankle broke, made enough to live and you know live a decent life, but nothing like to run home about where I'm like, oh, I'm gonna do this forever, no. Ended up getting a, a job in the back in Ithaca in the, the bar industry business where I got into the college bar nightclub scene. That's kind of where I got into DJing. And so I, I've been in the, co- the bar industry uh, managing it, running a big college bar club, DJing, running my own DJ company, um, pretty much since. So that's my my main income. I don't I don't I don't manage college bars anymore. I stopped that in about two thousand fifteen when I went DJing full time, and so that's my main thing. I also have my my real estate license, so I do some real estate stuff, some other investing, own a few other you know real estate property investments. Uh, Invested in some other businesses, so I would say first that I'm more of an entrepreneur, business person, DJ pro. That's where most of my careers, my income stuff comes from. And poker is just the side hobby. Where yeah, it is extra income. Um, but I'm not, I'm not there to like grind it out and always just try to make money because I need that money to live. It's more like okay, great if I have something, if I do well, uh, you know, maybe I'll buy an extra toy or something, and or uh, you know, take some shots at an Ivy game that type of thing. So. Yeah, that's how that's how poker income affects my life.
0: Yeah, I look at it as if you, can, if you can play and have fun and you're
1: winning even a
0: little bit, then, you know, it's kind of like a win win situation. Even, you know, it doesn't have to be a ton as long as you're not losing a ton. I think it's a great game to play unless 100%, you have a ton. 100%.
1: Yeah, yeah, 100%, 100% <clears throat> true. Yeah. Uh, and especially, too, when it comes to like these hustler games is that, kind of one of my mentalities like sure i definitely want to win and it's great i certainly don't want to lose but if i broke even on those games uh that to me still feels like a win because of what it's done for first the enjoyment like i enjoy that i love being in front of crowds i love entertaining i mean that's what i do so like i like the excitement of the cameras the viewers but also the what it's done for my my branding my imaging uh, and probably with a lot a lot of other people because that's how me develop this celebrity status type in the poker world which translates into like uh- at my dj events now people come up to me like hey are you the dj washburn from poker player i'm like yeah that's me so like it's just overall has helped build my brand my image reach out to different uh industries different networks of people that i might not have uh, i would not connect with if it wasn't for like being on stream and and having this persona so there's a lot of areas where i'm winning in that regard that it is a big win that i see that as the, the long term and that i think that's just more important also like and that's one of my mentalities in business in general is it's, it's not about, you know, it's not about the money and a quick paycheck. It's about those real relationships, connecting with people, treating people well, being honest. Those things will pay way more in the long run than a quick paycheck now. So I just overall, I think, especially this day and age of where your online presence, your social media persona, uh, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, etc., all these add up and the branding is so important and so valuable now i mean there's people that are making millions of dollars sitting at their house influencers whether whether it's video games podcasts Feet finder only fans all these different ways that uh are you can live a very lucrative make a lot of money live a fantastic life from just the digital online presence and so yeah so i had it in the back of my mind and uh, definitely try to do my best to help with my branding my persona so yeah like i said it's not just about oh i need to win money here to win but you know that it always it always helps Uh, it always feels better to win than lose money wise in a poker game
0: yeah for sure and i was wondering um how much you know um people have reached out to people like you who are on the hcl's um you know show and it sounds like you do get a good amount of recognition just from playing on there, so that in itself is good, right? It's a, it's almost kind of like a form of marketing or something just to be on there because because now so many people are watching. I think the I think the last couple I've gotten like what five hundred thousand views or something. I want to say.
1: Yeah, 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 definitely. Even like the small ones, the small ones, the small shows uh they usually get anywhere between 50 and 100,000 views and these are like mondays and tuesdays and with without any of the big big names of poker and then like the big ones yeah they you know someone get over a million um yeah so, so yeah it that's 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 a lot of views and you're right it is essentially like even if i went for, for a lot of the business people it is like marketing uh but you have the opportunity to win money if you're a decent poker player and yeah I say that Uh, The great thing about these hustler lineups as well as a lot of the games I play in, especially the Max Pay Mondays, is that they are rather softer lineups where me not being a pro, but having a pretty good understanding being a winning player throughout is that I will usually have an advantage over a a decent amount of the players. Um, If I chose to try to play like my A game every time, just try to win money, which oftentimes I I don't usually do because I want it to be more engaging and fun. Um, But because, yeah, because when they make these lineups. They want they don't. No one wants to go watch ten or nine GTO poker players with their hoods down, not saying anything, taking forever to make decisions, and trying to play perfect by the books. No, that's not fun. They want they want a diverse group of characters. They want people splashing around, and it's you know. So that's important, and that's why you tend to have a lot more like non professionals that are business owners, film directors, models other influencers video game streamers that play and just make it more enjoyable and fun to watch so i think that's important and one of the the keys that to get on the show first it's tough to get on but if you can get on you gotta have that in your awareness if you're not a big name if you're not a like yes the youtubers like mariano rampage some of the the professional poker players that are really good and play to win they have a big following so it's different they have different rules whereas someone that i'm not one of those people so for me to hold my spot and be invited back and be a valuable asset i have to do it with my personality my play i my costumes you know things like that that overall uh make me value of some sort because i'm not a female model either which you know they again they have because there's lack of women in the poker world Uh they you know that's something that gives them an advantage to to get on as well so yeah yep. yeah and in a way going back to like the the
0: cheating thing i think that in a way it looks bad i think because some some women might be like oh they're being sexist or whatever and i don't want to play poker but i think in a way it's almost it's also good for the game or show because they're getting so many eyes on it now and and even though cheating obviously is you know cheating and stealing are obviously bad things i think that there is a certain amount of like excitement or lure you know what i mean where it's like oh there's like some shady stuff going on in this game what's going on i want to like check it out so yeah. I think in a way that's almost maybe going to be better for the game. Maybe going to be better for the channel. You know <laughs> we, what I mean?
1: We, yeah, long term. We will see. Yeah. You you were just saying how people like that kind of like, ooh, what's going on? Ooh, is this dirty? What's happening here? It's like that's drama. Why, exactly. That's why crime shows. That's why things like the Jersey Shore. That's why yeah. people like watching train wrecks like because that draws people in. And that's exactly what is going on here. Uh, and then, of course, having Robbie who is – a, a pretty good looking female that is yeah. not shy about expressing her female assets and if you look at her pictures or watch the video you know what i'm talking about right she did that on purpose obviously i think uh, that's
0: part of the reason why i got so big is because she's a a pretty female and then you got Garrett who's a good-looking guy and they're kind of going at, at it. And, and he's
1: then... yeah, known as many as the go of of cash game poker on stream. Yeah. So you had that. So you were talking about earlier last question was how it's almost like marketing for people business people to do it. And that's one of the theories of this whole situation and coming out of it is like Oh, this just got Robbie Lou a lot of attention. It's got other people, so it is like marketing for their personalities, for their. Because now she's been on, she's been invited to talk on lots of news stations, national news stations, Garrett, L.A. Times, New York Times, all these outlets. Now that is going to help build their brand. So not saying that they did that, but it is one of the, I guess the uh, reactions of what happened, and some of the theories of people saying, oh, hustler set it up, or they set it up for all this media attention, and how. Uh, Help grow the poker game. I mean, I think that's a very far-fetched uh, reach. I don't think that's true, but it, it is developing that that uh, attention. And so the marketing dollars, the media, so now a lot of people know who Robbie J. Lou is, and now more people know about Hustler, and now they're going to tune in and be like, oh, wait, that's that show that they had a cheating on, and that, that woman, and the guy was bullying her, and blah, blah, blah. So you're right. It's definitely going to turn on new people and hopefully get them interested in the game, much like what we had, what we talked about in the- when we first opened this podcast was the Chris Moneymaker poker boom back in the early two thousands, what got so many people into playing poker. And so, yeah, I mean, that was ESPN. That was the media driven thing. So who knows tons of conspiracies, tons of theories, but I will say that we were just talking about like genders and gender and w- having women in poker. I think it's fantastic. It's great. Uh, You know, one of the b- narratives I think was just total BS, which was stupid when this invent, when this cheating thing first came out was the, Guy on bullying a woman like they made it a gender thing where this had nothing to do with gender and nothing to do with her being a woman and the people that like the feminists that stood up like oh my god she was encountered in a dark room and these men towering over her giving her the duster just because she was a small petite woman made her do this like no that that was BS and I'm I'm glad that I think a lot of people stood up after that and even female poker players females around were like yo be quiet you don't know all the facts this is not about gender at all It has nothing to do with that so uh but that's just another example of how people overreact quick without all the facts and all of a sudden they just see man versus woman like che- man cheats woman bullies her in poker game like that was a headline of some article like yes he was a man she's a woman yeah, but you know it's again how it's how it's portrayed which i just think was unfair and so many people jumped the gun here with with bs so yeah
0: Yeah, and back to what you were saying too about making the games better, which, like I said, is part of this, I feel like has made the game better. But yeah, like when, you know, when I first got into it, like what you were saying during Chris Moneymaker, you know, during the high stakes poker, the early high stakes poker with like, you know, Doyle and Tom Dwan and Unabomber and all those things, it was great to watch. And then for like a 10 or 15 year period, it was just like boring as hell. It was like all these GTO players not saying anything with their heads down. And I feel like it's finally starting. It's HCL and live with the bikes. In my opinion, kind of boring too. But um, with this newer HCL style, I feel like they're doing a good. They're doing it well. And I also feel like you almost need to create some. I'm not I, like I don't think that they did create this, but you need to get people in the game who are kind of wild, like kind of like that Mickey guy. You know, like that like Mickey. Yep, like, yep. Eric of, Person too. The Eric they, Person they, they exactly. talk a lot. They have personalities. You need to get these people in the game because if you don't have these people and you just have boring – and you too, like, you're fun to watch too. If you just have these boring people who are, like, playing – it's, like, it's not entertaining to watch. You know what I mean? You need to get these talkers and these uh,
1: – 100%, and I'm glad yeah. you just talked about that, like, after the poker boom, and So, like, from, like, 2004 to 2011, that's kind of the cutoff point because that's when Black Friday happened. They shut down online poker in the U.S. The golden era, those, like, six or seven years where – All the high stakes poker the poker after dark were coming out it was amazing and if you look at that those time periods you just mentioned some of the people your your phil ivy tom dwan unibomber phil lock if you look at the people that were successful there who is still around now kind of in the public eye and it's either people that are just the goat the greatest of what they do like like a phil ivy tom dwan like absolute crushers and people like seeing that or the good personalities And if you look now, who, if you had a Mount Rushmore of poker, who's still relevant now? Daniel Negreanu, Phil Hammuth. Yes, they're both very, very good, but their personalities, the brand, they took it, they used their poker celebrity and turned it into business where they are still relevant now. Regardless of the poker part, people know who they are because of their personalities. A lot of those people that were great crushers and then post that golden era of like, say, now from like 2010 to 2011 to like, I don't know eight or 10 years after that some of these like younger gto players tournament crushers that really did well that had a lot of tournament results but they weren't personalities and the public doesn't know who they are i mean i can give you a whole list of tournament crushers that have won 20 30 40 50 million right uh these people but they but they're not the personalities and they don't have the sustainability of the branding like a helmuth like a Negranu, uh and the people that have risen out of the the poker back then antonio the magician he was the magician him and phil lock they had personalities they had their own reality show reality show um so with that being said that's the same formula that hustler casino live is using now it's either you have to be a goat like an ivy like a a Dwan, someone that just everyone loves to see because they're just so good at what they do or you have to have that personality of of that to, to be on those one those ones in the middle that Maybe good but they're just they're just bland they're meh uh yeah it just doesn't work out well And hustle casino realizes that and has done a great job with the lineups they're very careful uh you know they don't put too many crushers in together they don't put uh you know they they do a really good job of putting together the action players with the non-poker players with some of the crushers some of the headliners uh, etc so yeah and then those people like you said mickey eric person the people that talk a lot at the table that are just fun that are like what the hell is this guy doing like this woman, these type of things. So yeah, that's great for, for TV. So hustler, Christina live, they definitely have the formula down. And I hope that with all this investigation and stuff that nothing major comes out where it comes crashing down or it hurts the entire poker streaming community in general, because I personally, I like being part of it. I enjoy it as a fan. I know. I mean, look how many viewers watch the show. There's hundreds of thousands, millions of people that enjoy it. So let's hope that things continue to stay, uh, to stay good uh working properly with the integrity with uh you know nothing nothing scammy nothing cheating so yeah that's the hope for just poker in general in my mind
0: yeah and i don't think that it should or will um i don't think it definitely don't think it should shut down the game or anything or make the game worse mhm um that's the only way that would opinion. happen yeah.
1: yeah the way that would happen it's hard evidence would have to come out like oh nick feldman the owner of the gm of hustler casino they were all in on this elaborate scheme something like that and with hard evidence would have to come out for it to be like oh shit and then of course they would question all the other casino streamers uh poker game streamers streams but i do agree like if one got shut down another one's just gonna pop up and that's just how just like online poker one would get shut down one has to move to europe another one pops up right yeah
0: (laughs) and it's like it's like there's you know there could i know it's easier i guess in this situation for there to be cheating because people can like actually see the cards in the back room but it's like there there can be cheating anyway that's just something that you have to accept like there can be three guys at like a regular poker table with their phones texting each other their cards or like try like signaling what to do or whatever so i mean it's just something that you have to accept you know i i play on I, i i'm not playing online recently but i was playing online and you know who knows what's going on online yeah, but yeah, I said, of we have like ten minutes left or less, but I just want to um, ask you a couple of quick questions and then yeah, we can wrap right, it up. So, Sounds good. First of all, who is your uh, who do you think the best player at HCL is, or at least, if you don't want to say best, then maybe like somebody that you uh, I guess intimidates you the most, like you wouldn't necessarily mm-hmm. want to play against.
1: Yeah, sure, I can. T- yeah, from firsthand experience, I can tell. I can tell you that. Well, I think the best, like most people do, is is Garrett Garrett yeah. Adelstein. I mean, he just his his work, his resume speaks for himself. There's he's on been so many public streams where he just makes so many optimal great plays and just crushes. Like the way he plays, for sure. That if you're not you uh, an average person that's not a poker player doesn't have good knowledge or theory wouldn't even understand like what he's doing uh but yeah he's just an absolute crusher definitely one of the best and the fact that he's done it on camera for so many years it just it just backs up so i, I love Gary. i think he's fantastic and certainly um not a good person to play with if you're trying to win good to play with if you wanted more views on your stream so that's good uh a player that i've played with also that is very tough again which most people would agree with is, is ludicrous uh two words not ludicrous the rapper luda chris He's a, he's an HCL regular known as one of the most aggressive players because he is super fearless and aggressive and he will put you to the test. So anyone that's like that, where they can have any two cards at any time and they could put you all in, put maximum pressure to you. That's tough to play against because you're going to be uncomfortable. You always had that thought in the back of the head. Uh Oh, if I call her on the flop, uh oh, and I'm going to call this turn and river, he's, I'm going to have to make a big decision. Those are tough players to play against. And he's certainly one of them. He's not afraid to unload the barrel as we say and empty a clip of of bluffs and bullets um so yeah he's he's a tough player to play against not someone that i like having especially to my left and poker position means a lot if someone's to your left it means they get to act right after you or they have to you have to act first and then they can react to you that is a, a very a disadvantage in poker strategy wise so Uh, You want people that are tough, aggressive players to your right. That way you can see what they do first and then you can act uh, accordingly to that. So he's a tough, uh, tough player for, for sure. Um, with that. So yeah, those would probably be, yeah, that's
0: good. Yeah. And then
1: one other thing I wanted to
0: ask you about good players, I noticed recently, um, our, I have a hard time saying his last name, our Papazian or whatever he's been saying, he's been kind of like denied from the games or whatever. Do you know anything about that? Like, um, And not only him, but other players, too, who they actually don't let in because maybe they're too good or
1: Mm -hmm.
0: uh, do you know why he hasn't been on? Um,
1: I've never met Art before. I have no control, of course, over the lineups. I'm just a player. Uh, So I don't know anything. No one's ever told me, oh, this person's banned. This person's not getting in. So I don't know any inside information in that regard. But my take on the matter is that, and if you think about it, is that like we just talked about a few minutes ago, that the lineups they make are done for a reason. They're done to create action, to create views, to create viewership. Um, And it's not just about having good players. And I think if you are a really good player, a grinder who doesn't have a big following, doesn't have a great personality, isn't bringing any value to the lineup other than being a crusher. That's not always good for the game, right? That's not necessarily, especially if you are a, uh, a white male, <laughs> put it that way. Like, that's true. Cause there's a lot of them out there. Yeah. You know, if you're a, uh, a 25 year old model, female model, or just something that's a diverse, right. That, that, that does matter. I think so in his situation, I don't know, he's, he's probably not wrong when he says, I don't think he, <laughs> he would lie about that. But uh, yeah, I think when it comes to, to building the structure of the games, they are smart enough. The, the crew both all streams to make sure that they get the right, dynamic of players and sometimes that means you can't include as many crushers and just people that are going to do well in the games without bringing any other type of value so that's probably if i had to formulate an opinion that's probably why he is not allowed in or you know not uh, getting into as many games as say like a garrett so that's probably yeah take i on. feel
0: like andy is also a crusher
1: um and they let him in i don't know
0: maybe he has more of a following or something yeah right. yeah i
1: think i think garrett and andy are kind of in the same it's like manning brady uh where they've they've just been together so much they had this rivalry and andy is very popular very likable people like Andy yeah. a lot i uh, do like he, Andy. Yeah. He, yeah he does have a good following and i mean he's he's punted before for sure he, he's punted a lot i don't know if he's up or down on streams um uh, i wouldn't be surprised either way but he is a very aggressive player he's very good very uh you know he's he's an ambassador for gg he goes overseas he's got a good influx with the asian market too so that okay so there's an example with andy let's say he wasn't he is a crusher uh but he's got a good personality he's well liked and he's got a reach into the asian poker population that most other people don't probably i don't know if any other poker players even have that type of thing um his connection because i know he does so much ambassador work when he's out in taiwan he's out in uh macau china japan korea i don't even know where he goes to be honest but all those spots that he's bringing in a lot of viewers as well so like the value there for andy i think is he checks all the boxes so yeah yeah
0: so yeah we're coming back uh, up on time here so if you want to go over a little bit your dj stuff and also get like your plugs out with your dj and also poker one last question for you though is um who are some of the djs that you're influenced by that you listen to like and you know uh, sure take from
1: yeah good question so like i said if you're just tuning in late that i'm a full-time dj that's what i do i dj mobile events bars clubs uh mostly in central new york My, my company is washburn entertainment we have a whole team of djs so i manage all that train djs but i also then travel around the country i uh, i speak i present i train other djs at different seminars there's a lot of dj expos conventions uh mobile industry conventions that type of thing so you know that's my passion that's what i do mostly uh in terms of djs i mean i'm a fan of a lot of djs and a lot of in the mobile world okay so when you think dj you have a lot of people think oh tiesto steve aoki dj Khaled, festival djs there's that line of djs like the more popular festival types and then you have like the working djs your mobile djs so these are the people that you're not going to know names they're not they're not going to have a hundred thousand followers but they're out there earning a good living making 100 200k a year possibly uh, do, doing weddings doing school dances similar to what i do and uh, you know i've been lucky enough where i i still enjoy the club stuff uh so i do like a lot of that type of thing too but the mobile events if you unless your name is steve Aoki or tiesto or something like that and you're a big producer if you're gonna be a professional DJ, you it's in the mobile world because that's where a lot of the money, uh the good money comes from, a, a working wage. Because if you go DJ bars and clubs, you're making pennies, 100, 200, 300 bucks. It's you know, not that much. But in the mobile world, you can make thousands an event. Um, so you know, it's like our our my wedding company or my company, our weddings we charged, you know to four thousand dollars a wedding so you know do the math that can add up pretty quick so the, the the reason i'm prefacing that is that the mobile world of djs is where you should go so for me i i'm a big fan of a lot of the mobile djs and business people people that you wouldn't know but the ones that are succeeding in the mobile world and then, of course, yeah, I'm a big fan of some of the, the big name DJs that you would see. And I, I, I'm i a fan of all music, so it's not like, oh, I love Steve Aoki the most or someone like that. You know, they are all they all do a great job. A lot of my favorite DJs and biggest inspirations are ones that are kind of mid-tier because they make a lot of remixes. They do stuff that are designed for the mobile DJs that help us do better, like some of their edits. You have people like uh, DJ Scooter, Joe Maz, uh, DJ Ragoza. The average person is not going to know these people, but if you're in the mobile DJ world, you know, these people uh, and there's different DJ companies, business people around the country that I find inspiration from that uh, that I've drawn from that helped me do better in my business. So, uh, yeah, again, a lot of my favorites, that's that's who they are uh, probably less lesser named lesser known names, but people that in the mobile DJ world are quite well known. So
0: all right sounds good uh we only we have less than a minute now so thanks for coming on chris and uh, if you ever want to come back let me know and best of luck to you on hcl i'll be watching you from now mike, on, mike
1: i appreciate it very much yeah if anyone that you can follow me on instagram or tiktok at dj washburn underscore at dj washburn underscore both of them i'll be back on hustler casino live uh you can always stay tuned to my social media and that's where i always post all that so uh thanks again and listeners yeah tell your friend about micah's podcast. All right. Sounds good. Thank you, Chris. Bye.